Lord, we just come before you right now. We just thank you for family gathered around. And in here, Lord, and that your presence has been made known and that it just flow, Lord. And I just ask, Father, that what you've put on my heart tonight, that you just, you speak and my words fall on deaf ears and bad ground, Lord. And let your words find good soil and and bring forth fruit, Lord. We just pray these things and bless your name. Amen. All right. So I normally don't take notes and things for 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 uh, sermons and stuff. I kind of just the Lord puts it on my heart, and so what I did this time is He put something on my heart and He wanted me to research it, and so I had to research it, and so I made notes, and that's kind of what we're gonna go through. So obviously it's Easter season. And where this all started at is, <clears throat> is at, at when <laughs> it was, what was it, Sunday and Easter. And the kids, we were talking to the kids, kind of trying to get through their head that Easter isn't about the Easter bunny and Easter eggs and everything. That it's about Christ and how he died and that on this, and that on this day he rose again. And so Haley has the very uh, distinct idea and, and memory that Jesus died on the cross for our sins on a hill named Golgotha. And I said, yes, but on the third day, he rose again. And so before we went to the eggs and, and the, the little toys and everything, I just read the story of Jesus Christ being risen. So that would be Matthew 28. And I started at verse one. And so I said, now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow, and the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. And so as I started reading that, I normally try to always be praying into these sessions and saying, Lord, what do you want me to talk about? What do you put on my heart? What I need to say? And so he said stones. So when I read that word and said, and came that for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it and stones. I like, I felt that rattle through my soul with stones. And I said, okay, so that's what I have to research now. This is what I have to find. And, and as I'm researching stones, I'm understanding that stones represent me, us, humans, okay? And so as, I'm, as, as he says stones and, and we finish and, and the kids go off and play with their toys and do the egg hunt and we go about, I'm thinking about all the places in the Bible that stones are in. And I'm floored. That like, that's almost a theme through the whole Bible, are stones, about God talking about stones. And so I sat there the other night and I was just contemplating, I'm like, all right, Lord, of these stones, what do you want me to talk about? You know, I'll, I'll like, he's flashing through my head all these portions in the Bible about stones. And I say, okay, what do you want me to talk about? So he starts giving me bits and pieces from each of the books of the Bible, throughout the Bible, saying, this is what I want you to talk about. These are the stones I want you to understand the purpose of. And so 
he had me go to the good things of stone, right? So he says, when, when, we, when stones are mentioned, they're often mentioned as a marking of an occasion, okay? Or a meeting, right? So let's go to Joshua 4, where you're going to jump all over the place. So if you don't feel like opening, it's fine. <clears throat> but so here we are, Joshua. We're, we're all familiar with Joshua. He follows up after Moses and is leading Israel. And so here we are in four, the memorial stones. And the Lord commands him that as they're getting ready to cross the Jordan at verse 15, then the Lord spoke to Joshua saying, so the Lord spoke to Joshua saying, command the priests who bear the Ark of the Testimony to come up from the Jordan. Joshua therefore commanded the priests, saying, come up from the Jordan. And it came to pass when the priests bore the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord had come from the midst of the Jordan, and the soles of the priests' feet touched dry land, and the, the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and overflowed from its banks. That was Joshua 4.15. But so there in the beginning of it, right, he says, And it came to pass when all the people had completely crossed over the Jordan that the Lord spoke to Joshua, saying, Take for yourselves twelve men from the people, one, from ev one man from every tribe, and command them, saying, Take for yourselves twelve stones from here, out of the midst of the Jordan, from the place where the priest's feet stood firm. You shall carry them over with you and leave them in the lodging place where you lodge tonight. Then Joshua called the twelve men whom he had appointed from the children of Israel, one man from every tribe. And Joshua said to them, Cross over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan. And each one of you take a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of tribes of the children of Israel, that this may be a sign among you when your children ask in the time to come, saying, What do these stones mean to you? Then you shall answer them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. So this is marking, and it says, and these stones shall be for a memorial to the children of Israel forever. So God uses stones to mark a memorial, a specific moment in time that he does a miracle. He does a miracle. He parts an overflowing Jordan, just like he did the Red Sea, for the children of Israel to cross over into their promised land. So he says, once you get out, you mark it. Not with a billion stones, but with 12 stones, each representing the 12 tribes of Israel. So you mark that stone. And then if we go to Genesis 28... And I'm in verse 10. I keep coming back to this. But this is where Jacob, okay, the son of Isaac. Now Jacob went out from Beersheba and went to Haran. So he came to a certain place and stayed there all night before the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of that place and put it at his head. And he lay down in that place to sleep. 
Then he dreamed, and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth, and its top reached to heaven, and there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. 13. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord your God of Abraham your father and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie I will give to you and your descendants. Also your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and the east, to the north and the south. And so, jumping to 18. Then Jacob rose early in the morning and took the stone that he had put at his head, set it up as a pillar, and poured oil on it. And he called the name of that place Bethel. So right there, he had an encounter with God. And so he set a stone as a marker in his life, in the physical world, to mark a place that he had a personal encounter with the Lord. So there are moments in our lives where we have personal encounters with the Lord. And those are what make up our testimony. They make up our testimony, these pillars that we set up, because they are things that you can't shake. When you have a personal encounter with the Lord, you can't shake it. There is no forgetting about it. If you are truly saved by the Lord and redeemed, you had a personal encounter. And there is not, you can't forget that day. And so God also then talks about how stones are used, right? And so he talks about how we, uh, he shows us that stones can be used. So not only can they be used to mark specific events in, your, in our lives, but they can now be used to defeat our enemy. Okay, they're an important part in defeating our enemy, these stones. So if you're going to look at that, we're going to look at 1 Samuel 17. And obviously this is David and Goliath, right? So we know at verse, and this is verse 40, then he took his staff in his hand and he chose for himself five smooth stones. Five smooth stones from the brook and put them in his shepherd's bag. What verse did you start, Tyler? That's 40, 1740. So five smooth stones. He didn't just go, reach down, grab a handful. He didn't pluck one. He plucked five for a specific number, which as far as I remember in a research, it was, one was for Goliath and his four brothers. Don't quote me on that. Look for it. <laughs> but, I, but I think that I thought that was the specific reason that he, he, he grabbed them. But anyway... He uses the stones, because they're hard, to defeat the giant. Okay, so obviously he used it in faith. Before that, Saul was giving him all his armor, gave him his sword, and the guy's like, I don't know how to use this stuff. This stuff's too big for me. I can't use it. But I'm going to use what I know. And the Lord has let him know the use of stones. Before he ever touched a sword, 
He used stones. The Lord chooses to use stones over an army full of guys in armor and steel to win the day. So yes, he says, put on the whole armor, but he says, you just need one stone. One stone and you will slay the giants that are before you. Now that giant can be whatever you need, whatever it is, right? One of those giants before me is pornography. As a young man, that's where I was stuck and I was, I was swallowed in it. And so to this day, that is an enemy that I have constantly had to battle. But it's in my faith that I have used and the stones that the Lord has put in my pouch that I have been able to start conquering that more and more frequently, fighting back and destroying what has consumed my life for 15 years or more. So that's a good use of stones, right? So we have the pillars to mark a memorial event. We have stones to use to slay. Not a sword, but stones. And then in Matthew 16, verse 17. Sixteen, verse 17. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood have not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. So it, when, when we're thinking of stones and us as stones, the Lord will use us to build and so, right, it says, no weapon formed against you shall prevail. God just promises right there. And he says, if I can find it. <laughs> and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. So he is going to place you and build in you, build on your life on the solid foundation. And whatever struggles you run up against, whatever trials you fight against, it will not prevail. That's a promise from the lips of the Lord himself. A promise that the gates of Hades will not prevail against you. Alright. So those are all good things. Good uses that the Lord talks about. The good uses of stone. But as I'm researching this, he's telling me that this isn't a good, there's there are more bad references to the use of stone that I need to understand, which is why he told me to research stone. Okay? It's always, he's never really like, oh, here, I have a great word for everybody to pass. No, it's always, Tyler, this is what you need to do. This is where you've screwed up. This is where your sin has happened. You need to correct yourself. So really, I'm just preaching to you what the Lord told me that it was wrong with me. And if it happens to resonate, well, bless God. But this is how the pastor is screwed up. 
And so he says, the bad use, the things that you have used stones improperly for, the way you as a stone have acted wrong, this is what you have. And so he brought up Stephen, the first martyr, Acts 7.54. When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart and they gnashed at him with their teeth. But he, being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God. Jesus And Jesus standing at the right hand of God and said, Look, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Verse 57, Then they cried out with a loud voice, stopped their ears, and ran at him with one accord. And they cast him out of the city, and they stoned him. So here we just listened, heard, understood that defeating an enemy, using stones to defeat the enemy. But here I am, Tyler, Stoning, going against the words of God. So there have been moments in my life that I need to be aware of that there is a man, woman, person of God, a word of God speaking into my life and I have gone against it and shut it down. And I have killed that word in my life. I have taken it outside of my life and stoned it. And I went, oh Lord, that's not good. Because there's nothing that the Lord gives to me in my life that is anything but life. And so here I am taking a promise of the Lord that I have taken it out. And I don't even know what it is, but I'm sure I've done it. Because way before I became on fire for the Lord, I was a sinner. And so I have probably many, many times heard people talk to me and promise things to me saying, this is what the Lord says about you. And I've been like, yeah, right. And thrown it out. And then there's the part with the Pharaoh, right? And the Egyptians in Exodus, right? We hear about one guy, the Pharaoh and the Egyptians, and their hard hearts, right? Every time a plague happens, Pharaoh hardened his heart. Pharaoh hardened his heart. Pharaoh hardened his heart. When in, throughout the Bible, as he is talking about a physical part of the body, the thing that is most often hardened is the heart. Not the mind, not the will, not the leg. The heart. And so this is where, so the other night I went to bed. I'm not even kidding you. I was in bed, 7.30. And I read the word, studying what he's telling me, which is not that comfortable. But then I'm like, all right, I'm tired. I'm going to go to bed at 8. Well, at 9.22, I am still awake because the Lord stopped me in my meditative state and started having me pray for people. And then out of nowhere, he gives me this word. And it rocked me, and I couldn't do anything else but ponder it until 12 o'clock. This is the word that the Lord gave me. And it shook me. And this is the worst thing that we could possibly do. And he said, we have buried Jesus Christ in the tomb of our hearts. 
So think about it. They, where do they, where do they, they, in the old times, they buried, they're, they're dead in the cave. Abraham buried his wife and he was buried in a cave in a field. Jesus Christ was buried in a cave. But what did they do? We read it in the first verse. They rolled a stone in front of it. And so if our hearts are hardened like stone, but Jesus Christ opens that and we accept Jesus Christ, we, we come in. But if we don't change the way we're acting, if we haven't changed anything about ourselves, except the truth, we can't accept Jesus Christ. But if you are not moving, you are not acting, you are not speaking about the word and about Jesus and what he has done in your life, you have rolled that stone in front of your heart. And what you are doing is pretending that Jesus Christ is dead. He is dead in your life. If you all you are doing is going to church and back, you have put Jesus Christ in the tomb and a stone in front of it. It is to keep things out and to keep things from coming in. So he said, you have Put Jesus Christ in the tomb of your heart and you have put a heavy stone in front of it. And I went, Lord, have I done that? Have I done that? And all these are in here, in this word, in this book, are promises of things that he said he would do, A for me, A for you, B, miracles that would happen. And if I am not seeing that and I am not trusting in that, I have put Jesus in the tomb and I have rolled that stone. That is the worst thing because what does it say in Matthew 28? And he says, verse 5, 28, 5. But the angel answered and said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen, as he said. Come see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And indeed, he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I told you. So do you understand that he came out of a tomb already? He is alive. He's not supposed to be locked up in the tomb of our hearts. If you call him your savior, he be you better darn well have an open tomb. There better, that stone better be rolled away from your heart. And I'm telling you, he is alive. You can go to your heart. And when you look, you know that he is alive because that tomb is empty. And there is fruit in your life. That he is alive and well. So he already rose from one grave. Why do you need to put him in a tomb of another and keep him in your heart? Because here's the thing. He's going before you. And he will meet you on whatever road you are traveling. He will meet you there. That's what he does. That's what he does when he rose. He met people to prove to them that he was alive and well. 
So if he met you, if he met you, don't lock him up in your heart. If you're saying, Lord, I want to see signs. Lord, I want to see signs. Lord, I want, I want more of you. I want to see you in my life. Look inside your heart. Check your heart. Have you rolled that stone away? Have you said, you know what? You are alive and well. I am not going to keep you locked up. But do you know why that stone was there in the beginning? That stone was there because people were scared. They were scared of that man. That man was so scary because of the power that he carried, the, 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 the disciples that he had, the words that he spoke, they had nothing on him. So the whole reason you put a rock in front of your heart and your tomb is because you were scared. You are scared that, of what that living man will do in your life. Because here are the promises. So if you let that living man out of that tomb, that means these promises are going to come true. So can you handle it? Can you be brave enough to let that living man out of our hearts. And I said, Lord, dear Lord, if I have put you in my tomb of my heart, which is a cesspool, because out of it flows sin, if I have put you in there, Father, I repent and forgive me. But roll that stone away. Send your angels and roll that stone away. Because guess what? When he said there in Matthew 28, the guards were there. I've said guards on my heart sometimes to prevent it from being hurt, to prevent from really believing in something. So I have set guards on my heart to prevent Jesus sometimes from escaping my tomb that I have put him in, that I have locked him in. But when Jesus Christ, when you believe and are ready to roll that stone away, those guards are going to be like dead men. So you are a hard-hearted person. It comes with the sin nature. It comes with sin. And it comes with being very practiced in sin. And, but I'm here to tell you, there is one promise that he gave me in all this that excited me. So, well, two promises that he, came, that he gave me as I'm researching the stone that excited me. So uh, there have been moments in my life where I have said, I can't preach the word. I can't talk about Jesus because I'm a sinner and I got nothing to give. And I've said, your testimony is everything. But here's, the, here's this. Let's go to Exodus 17. Verse 1, then all the congregation of the children of Israel set out on their journey from the wilderness of sin, according to the commandment of the Lord, and camped in Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. Therefore the people contended with Moses and said, give us water that we may drink. 
So Moses said to them, why do you contend with me? Why do you tempt the Lord? And the people thirsted there for water and the people complained against Moses. Why is it you have brought us out of, up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? Jumping to five. <coughs> and the Lord said to Moses, Go on before the people and take with you some of the elders of Israel. Also take in your hand your rod with which you struck the river and go. Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock in Horeb and you will strike the rock and water will come out of it that the people may drink. So if I am that stone that the Lord says, the promise right there is that with, the, with Jesus, with God, with the Holy Spirit, the promise is that living water will flow out of you when you are touched by him. Stone in and of itself doesn't produce anything. Doesn't produce anything. It can't. It doesn't grow. Nothing grows on stone. But here it is in the Bible through God's promise, water springs up out of the rock. It didn't say, oh, it sprung up from behind the rock. It said it sprung up from the rock. That's a promise. So no matter how hard-hearted I am, God can still use me and produce living water. So that's good because I do sin a lot. I'm pretty good at it. But his promise is that even though I am a sinner, he will still be able to use me and produce living water where it is needed. And we don't have to read it, but go, if you go to Matthew 13, this is the parable of the sower. Right? And in it is both the parable and the explanation by Jesus himself. But so he says here, and if you're looking at it, it's 13, it's all a chapter 13 for the most part, but he says, if we jump down to the explanation, and it says, therefore, on verse 18, therefore hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what is sown in his heart. Sown in his heart. This is he who has received seed by the wayside. But he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation and persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. So guys, you have stone hearts. I have a stone heart. And so when you have a stone heart, it is hard to find root for the word to grow on. 
So like it says, you will hear the word. You will be immediately receptive to it. But when trial and tribulation comes, it's going to all be wiped away. But so this is what he says. If I can find it. Just listen to this. Ezekiel 36, verse 26. And he says, this is a promise. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and I will give you a heart of flesh. All you have to do is ask. All you have to do is ask him for a new heart and he will change that heart of stone. The stone that, that doesn't listen, cannot grow fruit. And he will make it a heart of flesh, one that produces good fruit. If you just ask, he will give you a new heart. It will no longer be a tomb in a cave, there won't be a place to roll a stone in front of. But you have to stop fear. You have to stop up lies. You have to kick out the guards. And you have to roll that stone away. You have to welcome that living Jesus out of that tomb of your heart. And ask him to come and give you a new heart. And I promise you that he will. So there is a way, guys, to no longer be made of stone, to no longer have a heart of stone. So even in those moments when you struggle and have a hard time, understand that water, living water, can be brought up out of that stone. So in those situations where you don't think, I can, I have anything to give, or I have any input to, to provide, understand that if you ask, the living water will show up on that heart of stone. I'm telling you, he, and, and, this, and I am living proof that he has changed my heart. I was a sinner. I did struggle with a lot of things. But through constant prayer, constant begging, constant asking, and even a desire in my heart to want him, but too scared to go after it because I knew he was a living God. And if I knew that Jesus was living, that I knew he would change me. And so I got rid of the fear and I just started asking for a new heart. And he gave me a new heart. And I found love, I found acceptance, I found excitement and joy like I have never known. Sorry. But it takes, are you brave enough 
Because not even, here's the thing, in that story, not even the disciples were brave enough to go to the tomb. Not even the disciples were brave enough to go to the tomb. But you know what? Jesus still came to them. Jesus still came to them. So, Jesus will still come to you. But if you want him to come in power, you need to roll that stone away. Roll the stone away. And here's the thing. The stone that you have put in front of, you don't have the strength to roll it. Because in my experience, that stone was too heavy. It was too scary to roll it away on my own. I didn't have the guts to do it. I have the guts to go to Afghanistan and fight a war. I got the guts to bandage up bleeding comrades but I didn't have the guts to roll the stone away from my heart to open up in it a tomb with a living Jesus in there. Because if you've put him in there and you've put that stone in there, he can't, he's not coming out. You need to invite him out and you need to ask him to come in power and roll it away. So that's the challenge that he gave me and that's why I wanted this recorded because I don't ever want to put that stone in front of my heart again. I want the living Jesus that walked out of that tomb in Israel. I don't want him to be stuck in another tomb in my heart with a rock that I've placed there. I want him to come in power in my life. I want him to come in love in my life and know that he won't ever have to go back in the grave. So let's pray. Father, we just come before you and we thank you for the promises in your word, the promises you have given us. And Lord, I thank you that there are good uses of stone and that you have revealed to me the bad uses that I have used stone for. But I am holding on to the promises that you have broken down this stone heart, that you will use it to bring living water to others. And Lord, I ask right now for those listening, those here right now, that you come in power and that you roll the stones away from our heart, that tomb we have placed Jesus in. Roll it away, Lord, and we accept that you come in power, that you were risen from the dead, and that you were never meant for a tomb, but to be king of our lives, to be ruling with power. And so, Father, I give up fear, and I ask for you to rule me, to find me on the road,
all glory, all glory, all glory and honor and power to your name. Amen.